0: Welcome to Life is Worth Living, a weekly podcast with B.J. Smith. We pray with each episode you will be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. You have a purpose for today, and a Heavenly Father who holds your tomorrow. Like the song says, life is worth the living just because He lives. i want to start out with these two verses of Scripture, and I want you to get one word out of both of them. And I'm going to talk about that one word. In Psalm 57 and verse 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. My soul trusts. Everybody say trust. My soul trusts in you. Hallelujah. In the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities be passed over. And then Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, our woman, that trust, everybody say trust, that trust in him. Now, when you're trusting in him, you're tasting that he is good. But how many know that the taste is not the full meal? So you're tasting, and while you're trusting, you're tasting, and you're on your way to the full meal. But while you're waiting for the full meal, you get the taste. You get the snack. <laughs> Don't get satisfied with the taste. Hall- <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I have to get used to my laughing now. I only laugh, I only laugh when I'm in the spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I've got a story to tell as, as to when that laughter started. It started right up in my office at a staff meeting one morning, and I'm not going to tell it, but it started right there. I mean, I, I, was, I, I was in the midst of a lot of problems and heartaches and heartbreaks and, and all that kind of stuff, and in a staff meeting. Uh, the glory came down in that place, and nobody knew what was going on. I was sitting in my chair, and I was twisting, I was laughing, I was crying. And, I, 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 and it's, it's happened ever since, sometimes in a parking lot, sometimes in a store. I try to get out of the store before it <clears throat> starts happening. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I, but I learned how, by the Holy Ghost, as Paul said, as sorrowful, yet I'm always rejoicing. And I learned the truth of that that day. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not preaching about that. I'll have to do that some other time if I get a chance. If you give me another chance, I won't preach so long. If this is the only shot I've got, I'm going to get it done today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, trust. I want to talk to you about the trust element of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, something that you're supposed to have in order to please God ought to be pretty important, right? So, faith is very important. Now, you can have faith in a lot of things, but he's talking about faith in God, faith in the Lord, faith in His Word, and and a lot of people got more faith in ourselves than we've got in God. Now talk about that in a minute. But faith is necessary to please God. Here's an interesting verse in Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. Jesus himself asked the question. He says, when the son of man comes back to receive his church, will he find faith? It was a concern of Jesus as to whether or not. His church would be in faith when he comes back. Now that makes faith very important. And then another verse of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul said, Everybody needs to examine their faith. But more than that, you need to examine if you are still in the faith. And he said, Let every man prove himself. So we're to examine ourselves. To see if we're still in faith, you need to prove to yourself. Because you see, faith many times has become fleshly presumption. Faith is a spiritual thing. But there are also natural faiths. When you drove to car, uh, your car to church this morning, you had a natural faith and a natural brake. Or you wouldn't be driving 60 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. But you see, that natural faith in a natural thing, that natural thing will fail because I have pushed down on my brake pedal in the past, and that thing went all the way to the floor, and I kept pushing and pushing, and the car just seemed like it got faster. But when you have spiritual faith in God, God will never fail and never let you down. Hallelujah. So we need to prove to ourselves that we are in spiritual faith. Amen. Now let me give you two verses of scripture, and I hadn't started preaching yet. Here is one verse I want to give to you to kind of lay out what I want to talk about in uh, Romans chapter thirteen and verse eleven. The apostle Paul said, "Knowing the time, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed." Who? Now, wait a minute. I thought I had salvation now. But this verse says that our salvation, we've gotten closer to it than back here when we first believed. I don't want to get into explaining that. Okay? I just want you to understand that there is a believing first. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, receiving and it's talking about the coming of the Lord, when Jesus comes back at his appearing, we will receive the end of our faith, even the salvation of our soul. So I want you to get from Romans 13 that there is a beginning point of faith. And that's when we're saved. But then there is an ending point of our faith. And so we began on a journey to eternity. We began when we get saved. That's the beginning of our faith. But when Jesus comes back, it's going to be the completion of our faith. And so there is the beginning of our faith. There is the end of our faith. Now then, our faith expects a specific end result. Let me say it again. Faith expects a specific end result. But we do not know how long it will be before we receive that end result. We do not know the path we'll have to travel in order to get to that end result. Now it's this time period between Believing and receiving. There is a time period between believing and receiving. It is during this time period of believing and receiving that the trust element of faith functions. We trust between believing and receiving. And that trust element is important to perpetuate your faith. And in order to receive the end result, you believe the promise, and then you trust him until you receive the promise. And if you quit trusting him, you interfere with the effectiveness of your faith. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I I came up with a word one time. When I read the scripture, I try to reduce it to as few words as I can so I can remember it. And meditate on it throughout the day. And I was reading Psalm 47 and 1 one time. And it says, clap your hands all you people and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. And I said, I need one word. Or I need a few words. Well, one word came that doesn't exist. It wasn't a word until I created it. And I said, there's one word. Clap a shout covers that verse. Clap a shout. So you're in order to clap a shout anytime you want to. Amen. Now, now, most of you just fulfilled half of that scripture. It said, clap your hands and shout! Woo! <laughs> yeah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. As one sister used to say, I'm about to get anointed. Amen. <laughs> In... Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place that he would afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Now, you can't have faith if you don't obey. I don't want to preach that sermon this morning until right now. But by faith, he obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. So... He had a beginning of faith, he had an end result he was moving toward, but he had no idea where all he was going to have to go to get there. And so it's in that in-between believing and receiving that you have this trust element of faith to keep you alive. Now, trust believes the promise in all circumstances. Even when the circumstances produce circumstantial evidence that is contrary to your faith, trust keeps on believing. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 36, the story of Jairus coming to Jesus, the ruler of the synagogue, and said, my daughter is sick, I want you to come heal her. Jesus said, I'll come. And on the way, you know, the woman with the issue of blood said, if I can touch the hem of this garment, I'll be healed. She pressed through the crowd, interrupted the progress of the journey, and Jesus took time to minister to her. And whenever they got through with her, he started to Jairus' house, and here comes some messengers from Jairus' house, and says, there's no need to bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. When Jesus heard that, he looked at Jairus and said two words, only believe. Just keep doing what you've been doing. Hallelujah! You know, most of the time it doesn't take any more faith to raise the raise the dead than it does to heal the sick. The problem is when the problem gets bigger, our faith ceases to function and we quit trusting. But it's in. But when things get worse, when the circumstances say there is evidence. That is contrary to your faith. You keep trusting and you keep believing uh, and you keep going (laughs) uh, toward the end result of your faith. (laughs) Yeah. Glory to Jesus. You see, trust gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, that God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed focused on Him. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, the, the trust, trust, or the lack of trust, will cause you to question God's concern for you. When you don't have trust, you're really questioning. That God cares about you. Hmm? In Mark chapter 4 and verse 38. Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. They're out in the sea. A storm comes up. Jesus is taking a nap. Nothing wrong with taking a nap. Jesus took one. <clears throat> and he's taking a nap in the back part of the boat. And a storm comes up in the waves are dashing water into the boat and the wind's tossing it back and forth. And they come running to Jesus and they wake him up and say, Master, don't you care for us? And of course, you know, Jesus had to rebuke their little faith, their absence of faith, their absence of trust. See, when you don't trust him, in the midst of receiving or believing and receiving, when you don't trust him, you're going to think, at times that He doesn't care anything about you, that He's not answering my prayer. You see, trust will never question God's having your best interest in mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, trust is the confident assurance that things will be exactly as God said they would be. One of my regularly used scriptures when I pray. First John chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, whatsoever we ask, we have it. Are you listening? When you pray, does He hear you? Well, if He hears you, then you have it. Yeah, so it's trust. Trust walks from the path of believing and receiving, knowing that we have it, even though we don't see it, even though circumstantial evidence seems to be contrary to it, yet we know He heard us, and if He heard us, we know we have it. We know we have it. We have it. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to Jesus. In Second Timothy chapter 1 in verse 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul is talking about a time in which he was in a lot of trouble, suffering a lot of things from the Jews because he was an apostle, he was a preacher, he was a teacher to the Gentiles. And because of that, he suffered a lot of things. But he said, I am persuaded that he is able to keep all that I have committed to him against that day. Now, trust, trust is committing. When you make a bank deposit, you trust that bank and you have committed to them because you trust them. So if we trust Jesus, we commit everything to him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9 says this. The Apostle Paul says when we were over in Asia, we had a lot of trouble. It was bad trouble. It was bad persecution. It was so bad that we were pressed out of measure. We were pressed out of shape. We lost all forms of what we really are. It was bad. He said it was above our strength. It was beyond our strength. Somebody is experiencing something right now that I'm going to address. He said it's above strength so much that we despaired of life. So bad we thought we were going to die. But then he said we had this sentence of death in us for a reason. Now listen. Listen. So that we would learn not to trust ourselves. We have to continuously, perpetually learn not to trust ourselves. The more God does for us, the more we over time think we did it. And we begin to trust ourselves But he said we came up against something that was bigger than us. And there's somebody that needs to hear this word, that you have come up against something maybe for the first time that's bigger than you. You have boasted how you can handle anything. But you've come up against something that is bigger than you. And today God wants to help you get through it. The first lesson you need to learn is that you need to repent of trusting in yourself. And when you do that, God will deliver you and God will turn things around. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Give him a clap a shout. Hallelujah. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. 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 Now, here's a verse of Scripture. In Job chapter 13 and verse 15, listen to this. Job said, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Now, what Job was beginning to feel because he had some friends that were, he called, miserable comforters. They were thought they were comforting him. They were making his life miserable. But because of all of that, Job finally told them. He said, Even if, like you're saying, even if God's trying to kill me. I don't think Job believed God was trying to kill him. But he says, even if God does try to kill me, I'm still going to trust him. I'm telling you, that's pretty good faith. Though God does try to slay me, though the circumstances may tell me that God's against me, yet I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him because I have faith. I have believed. And I'm on my journey to receiving what I believed, and I'm going to trust God no matter what happens. Now, the New Testament uses Job as an example. Job said in uh, in in Job 23 and verse 10, he says, "The Lord knows the way that I take, and when He has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold." And the Bible in the New Testament uses Job. As an example of patience. James 5 and verses 10 and 11 says, look at the prophets as examples of suffering and affliction and patience. And then verse 11 says, you have heard of the patience of Job. And you have seen the end of the Lord. (laughs) There was an end result to Job's trust. And he said, you've seen the patience of Job. Now then, patience and trust walk arm in arm. Patience is the path that trust travels on the way to receiving what it's been believing. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, be not slothful. In other words, don't be lazy. Amazing how many men and women are so diligent in pursuing success in life, and those same people are Christians, and when it comes to the things of God, they have virtually no diligence whatsoever. mm mm-hmm. It had to come down to this, didn't it? It's going to be better things coming, so hang on. There are a lot of people very diligent in pursuing their successes in life that are very lazy when it comes to the things of God. And to live by faith, you can't be lazy. To trust God, you can't be lazy. So that's why he said, be not lazy, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How do you get there? Through faith and patience. And patience is trusting. And you can't have patience without trusting. When you quit trusting, you lose patience. And you go for another source to supply what you've been believing God for. And we don't want that to happen. Now, here's a good verse. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, says you have need of patience that after, everybody say after, after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot of trust in order to initially believe. There have been people that have come forth for dedication services, and they said, oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I haven't been doing this. I'm going to do your will. And they go out, and three days later, they give up. See, you have need of patience after you have initially done the will of God. It's like people come down, and they, they are prayed for, and they believe God that he has healed them. That's the starting point. And three days later, they don't feel any difference, and they give up. You see when you're when you believe initially for your healing you're going to have to trust him and walk the path of trusting fa- patience uh, in order to receive the end result of your healing I'm talking about getting from the believing point to the receiving point and it in- requires confidence and trust you have need of patience after you've done the will of God so that you might receive the promise Now then When you have patiently trusted between believing and receiving, you will receive the end result of your faith. But you have to trust all the way from believing to receiving. You cannot back away from that. Now, theres I'm I'm almost through. I don't preach about points, but every once in a while I point. And I want to point out two things that God... Gave Job as an end result of his trust. And we go to the last chapter of Job, chapter 42. In verse 6 of chapter 42, it tells us that Job repented. And in verse 7, it tells us that God spoke to those three friends of Job who had miserably made his life miserable. And he said to them, He said, My wrath is kindled against you because you spoke. Wrong things to Job. And then in verse 8, he said to those friends of Job, he said, I want you to take a sacrifices and go up and offer sacrifices to me, but you've got to do it in the presence of Job. And then he said, you've got to have Job to pray for you. And if you don't do this, then I'll have to deal with you for the wrong sayings you've spoken to Job. Now, what is that all about? That's all about vindication. Mm. And... and, and And somebody needs to hear this. And I speak this especially to somebody. Vindication. God vindicated Job for all that he had gone through. And he trusted all the way through. He trusted God. He didn't understand a lot of things, but he trusted God. Hallelujah. And God vindicated him. Psalm. 23, you know Psalm 23. And verse 5, verse 4 says that he that David said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil, I'll rod thyself and cover me. But then verse 5, it talks about the end of the tunnel. And he said, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Whew. God will vindicate you. And somebody here today, you're suffering and and you're in the de- depression because enemies have come against you and sometimes maybe friends have become your enemies and they have said things and done things against you that have brought you into depression. But you hear me, keep trusting God and the end result will be God will vindicate you in the presence of your enemies. Woo! He'll prepare a table for you. You'll sit there and eat, and God won't let your enemies eat, but they'll have to sit there and watch you eat. But not only will they have to sit there and watch you eat, they'll have to sit there and see God anoint you with the power of the Holy Ghost, anoint your head with oil. (laughs) Hallelujah. They'll have to watch your cup run over. Hallelujah. God will vindicate your trust. Trust it. Then the second thing that God did for Job, in verse 10 of that last chapter, God gave to Job twice as much in the end as he had in the beginning. Verse 12 says that the end of Job, remember the scripture that said you've heard of the patience of Job and you've seen the end of the Lord? The end of Job was better than the beginning. In chapter 1, Job had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen. He had 500 donkeys. In the last chapter, at the end of his sufferings, God gave him twice as many, and now he has 14,000 sheep. He has 6,000 camels. He has a thousand yoke of oxen, <laughs> and he has a thousand donkeys. <laughs> Hallelujah! Twice as much. God vindicated him, but God blessed him better in the end than he had in the beginning. I'm here if you, here to tell you: if you trust him, the end of your trusting, the end result will be better than before you started. Hallelujah! But not only did he give him twice as many animals and riches. In the first chapter, he had seven sons and three daughters. They all were killed. Now in the last chapter, he gives him seven sons and three daughters. But just to cap it off, those three daughters were the most beautiful daughters in the whole land. What am I trying to say today? I'm trying to say this, that when you trust God, When you trust God, when you trust God, there will be victory. You see, Job lived longer and better after his suffering than he did before. And I'm here to declare to you today that there is life beyond your tragedy. Hear me? There is life beyond your tragedy. And God is here today comes forth. There is a special anointing. When I say special anointing, there is an anointing in the presence of the Word of God that is designed for the purpose of delivering everybody that responds to the truth of that Word. And if you walk out of here, that anointing may not be there because God is a now God. He is a now God. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of deliverance. Now is the day. Now is the time. So God has a deliverance for somebody here today that you have reached that point of coming up against something that's bigger than you. And God's speaking to you and he wants to deliver you today. And God is here to vindicate somebody. Somebody in this room today. Needs to hear this message that life is not over for you because somebody's turned against you. But God will vindicate you in the presence of your enemies if you'll keep trusting. And somebody here today needs to understand there's life beyond your tragedy. That the end can be and will be if you'll trust Him better than it was before. God is a God of better things. Let me say that again. God is a God of better things. Now I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you now to confirm your word, to break through every crusty conscience, every hardened heart. Tenderize it. Let it become sensitive to what the Spirit is saying today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, for the souls in this place today that are not ready for death and they're not ready for the coming of the Lord. I pray, O God, their hearts will be sensitized to their own need of a Savior.